Majjana Tamananda Sya, Jirajana Salakaya, Chakshur Militanyena, Tasmashi Guruvi Namaha. Vanchakalpadubhishya, Kripasindabhivacha, Patitanam Pamanebhyo, Vaishnavijanamo Namaha. So, thank you all for coming. We are still discussing Madhurya Kadambani. We are in the third cloud bank of exquisite nectar of the practice of pure and unalloyed devotional service. And this particular cloud bank specifically deals with how to clear ourselves of anarthas and opera rods. Uh, the stage is referred to as Narthanivriti, to, to clear these unwanted things uh, that are obstructing us from becoming fully dedicated servants. It's quite a uh, lofty topic to to deal with in a very mature way, primarily because it deals with not only sin, which are manifestations of reactions on the material plane, so sin deals with what is coming, uh, it's a sense of trying to exploit and enjoy uh, with the mind and the senses. So the enjoyment is on the mental and physical plane, and conversely the concomitant suffering is also on that plane. But Anartha Nivriti goes deeper than that to items that affect our true self, the soul. So, uh, and the author, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, lets us know that <laughs> Anartha Nivriti, those cl- clearing of those items related to the, the senses and the mind, is not, very, not a very serious thing. To a true spiritual practitioner whose aspiration is to become Krishna's pure unalloyed devotee, the holy name and the process of the ninefold process of Uttama Bhakti as given can eradicate those kind of sins of the flesh, so to speak, uh, very easily. In fact, it's like uh, burning cotton. It, It goes up in a flash and it's gone. So, we look to those kind of uh, sins and sometimes we think they're extremely consequential in our practice, but really they are not, they're not really a big concern. Uh, they sometimes seem like insurpassable mountains of obstruction in our mind, but Let's remember where our mind resides, on the material plane. 
So when the saints and the sadhus talk about, you know, the sins of the flesh in such a dismissive manner, uh, it's because they're well beyond, uh, you know, between beyond the plane of even uh, considering that kind of uh, item of any real consequence because the fact of the matter is relative to our true self it isn't um, I'm reminded of a sadhika that uh, approached Bhakti Rakshak Shuddha Maharaj and he was feeling very remorseful that he felt he would never be able to take to uh, the pure devotional service he was just troubled too much by Anarthas and Bhakti Rakshara Maharaj, you know, got to the heart of the matter. Well, what really is the problem? I mean, you've got a human form of life. You're associating with devotees. You're chanting the holy name. What could possibly, you're on the path, what could possibly obstruct you? Well, I'm still attached to smoking marijuana. And, and... Bhakti Rakshak Shri Maharaj was pretty dismissive of the whole concern. You just continue chanting, continue the process, and this will quickly pass. You'll see that there's nothing there. So, um, but we we there is there is the possibility that such material attachments and uh, can spill over into the spiritual realm if we what? If we think we can continue with material activities and simply by engaging in spiritual practice uh, uh, we'll be cleansed of the sin. Because then it becomes an opera to the holy name. Because we're kind of like using the holy name as a shield. I can go ahead and do my nonsense. And as long as I'm chanting, the holy name can destroy more sins. My spiritual master told me this. He can, it can destroy more sins than I can ever commit. Well then, what was material... Thing spills over into the spiritual because then I'm offending the holy name. So really, when we look at anarthanivritti, we look at the clearing stage. We look at getting past uh, those things which are impeding our rapid progress into the stage of nista characterized by absolute humility uh, and we're going to touch upon the fact that that's truly the the attainment of getting to the to to steady practice is the absolute and utter humility that allows us to really take advantage of Krishna and his devotees they have so much they want to give, but 
we build a wall around ourselves and 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 cut ourselves off from the mercy that they're wanting to bestow upon us and we build up that wall with uh, with our unsteadiness and our lack of true sincerity in pursuing the path. So these kind of classes, when we're talking about this stage of of, uh, of unsteady practice, uh, uh, anista bhajana kriya, uh, sometimes are a little bit uh, difficult to give and difficult to hear, uh, but. They shouldn't be. We shouldn't make it out to be a a, uh, um, a a great burden. It's not a great burden. Because the only thing that's a great burden is ignorance. Once we have knowledge of a situation, then we can deal with it properly. So, this learning all about what is this what and especially what Vishwanath is, is is emphasizing in this third cloud bank, learning about it, as we've touched upon, is so important. And learning about it properly and knowing what's really serious and what what is not so serious can really help us to to progress through what is a difficult stage of going from living in ignorance since time immemorial, anadi, dealing with karma, dealing with whatever whatever has come to us in unlimited lifetimes, in unlimited environments, in unlimited bodies, we have we can't even trace out the miseries we've suffered in material existence. If we were to heap all those miseries on our shoulders at what time well, we'd be done. But there, it's been just, we've become accustomed to suffering. We have become accustomed to this lifestyle. It's like these fools that they have some sexual fetish where they like to be beaten. I forget what they call it, but oh, beat me. Let you know, let me beat you. Beat me. That'll make me feel good. That'll give me pleasure. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, if that's where you want to take your pleasure, you know, me, I'd rather sit down to a plate of prashadam and have a bunch of sweet balls. But, you know, <laughs> if you rather have a whip and, uh, you know, whatever else. Simply ignorance. We're ignorant, and because of our ignorance, we've been suffering. So, let's go over this. Let's understand what is sin on the material plane and how that's easily dealt with, how to avoid making those kind of attachments um, insignificant in our practice, letting them recede to the background, making sure we don't carry them forward where they can actually become, can, they can transform themselves from simply an anartha into an aparad. Uh, 
an upper rod, well, that that's a serious thing that can that can hang us up. So, last class we discussed the seva upper rods, worshiping of the deity, and how we can avoid making any any offense to the deity in the temple and, and in our consciousness and in such a way that uh, you know that 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 it impedes our progress and that the Seva Aparads are not considered extremely serious in our line. Provided what? We don't, just like sins, pull them over into the spiritual realm by doing them with the intent of nullifying the effect through chanting the holy name. Then what is a seva aparad becomes nam aparad. And then it can be really detrimental to to our progress it can basically it can just put things on hold it's just like you just uh, you're on a treadmill but you're not going anywhere and you're not getting any healthier spiritually so anarthanivriti cessation of unwanted elements so Vishwanath breaks these down. Four. We'll go over the four again. Duskritotha, Sukritotha, Aparadotha, Bhaktyutha. So Duskritotha, Duskritotha is is the is the Uh, the the suffering of material existence and we've already touched upon them it deals primarily with what the kleshas the primary klesha is ignorance avidya uh, that ignorance is followed uh, by the Four other clashes. Uh, the first one being, where is it? Clashes. Asmita. Asmita means false ego, eye and mind, misidentification with matter. So these are all results. These clashes are the results of of our sinful activities, actually. Because it just perpetuates our ignorance, and our ignorance perpetuates our suffering. So they are the sufferings of material existence. Ignorance, not knowing a thing for what it should be. False identification with the body, and as soon as you identify with it, then you have to suffer everything that it suffers. Um, the next thing is rag. Then we get, we're passionate to try to enjoy with it 
but the passion's never satisfied. No matter how you use the body, how much you want to enjoy with it, that that rag, raga, to try to enjoy, is never satiated. It doesn't go away. So, therefore you have just, you're addicted to material life in so many ways. Could we we couldn't even list all the addictions that people get into if we were to write on the wall in very fine points, you know. I'm addicted to food, I'm addicted to sex, I'm addicted to wealth, I'm addicted to fame, I'm addicted to music, I'm addicted to, I'm addicted. Where does it end? It doesn't end. And it doesn't matter how deep the addiction, it never is satisfied. But we do switch. We switch from one addiction to another. We become tired of it. We finally realize, I am not going to become Mick Jagger this life. Okay, well, I'll become Brad Pitt. It's really a neurosis if you look at it. We just become neurotic. So, Raga, Dwesa is hatred. I can't get it. The Raga just doesn't give me the pleasure I want, and therefore I become... I become very angry. I hate, I hate this life. I hate it. Oh, I hate the people around me. I hate, I hate the fact I couldn't do this. I didn't pat that. I didn't get a raise. I didn't, didn't get a new wife. Uh, you know, my kid grew up and hates me now. I hate, I hate. So when I don't get what I want, I, I that's a reaction. So, Dwesa. And our hatred becomes so deep, we become scared to death to die. Although we hate our life, although we hate we could never fulfill our desires the way we wanted to, still, we don't want it to end. So the big fear comes. So these five kleshas, these are anarthas. It's a stage of anartha nivriti, deals with clearing these Miscon- beginning with the misconception, avidya, all the different knowledge. As long as we're carrying these things, we can't chant. Our consciousness can't be cleared properly. As long as we still carry these anarthas, these misconceptions, this ignorance, these attachments, these hatreds, as long as those are there in our consciousness, how can we perform bhajana kriya nicely? We can't. Therefore, what's it called? Anista. It's unsteady. We've made it filthy with the garbage that we're carrying around since time immemorial. What's the solution? Well, we chant more and it clears. These things, they clear very quickly. These things clear very effectively. The holy name and the process of devotional service is so spiritual power, spiritually powerful that these are just like clouds. And they just, they're blown away the more we engage in the practice of pure devotional service. So, Duskritotha. Then we have the other side. Sukritotha. Sukritotha means I want a, a, a good result for me. So, 
I either want a material benefit, call this bhukti, or I want liberation, mukti. So, generally the material benefits manifest in a desire to attain liberation, well that's mukti, uh, attain the heavenly planets, basically just I want to enjoy. I want to enjoy and uh, in so many ways and as long as again our mind is focused on this or our mind is focused on relief from suffering, liberation, Again, these are anarthas, we carry them with us, and what? Our consciousness is not clear enough to engage in the process nicely. Aparadotha. Now we come to, we go beyond what is in the mind, body, and senses area, and we deal with, these are things that are affecting our heart. Aparads. So, anarthas that, at, that are arise out of offenses. Vishwanath classifies these as nam, nama aparads. It's interesting. In his verse, he uses the word nama aparad. So, we would naturally think that we're only talking about the ten offenses to the holy name. But actually, his definition is very broad and very precise also. That just as in the very beginning we saw in the very first verse that Lord Chaitanya's merciful benediction Golokar Premadan, Hari Nam, Sankirtan, is the nourishment of the nine limbs of bhakti. So similarly, we see here that when we're talking about, <coughs> excuse me, when we're talking about Nama Aparads, it's automatically understood that we're talking about any offenses made in the realm of the ninefold process of bhakti and all its supporting elements. So, last class we went over Seva Aparads and what was the difficulty. The difficulty is if we, if we let them linger for a long time, if we become neglectful in a way that we think it's not important to maintain the proper etiquette in dealing with Krishna in his deity form that we're allowed to serve as an external manifestation of the of the of the heart of the guru the guru has invited Krishna please you take this form so that <coughs> my students can learn how to love you and serve you properly In the front of my neck.
<coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. So, the, the spiritual master has begged Krishna to take this form to benefit us in our practice. And <coughs> we want to take great care <coughs> not to engage in these seva operads. And when you notice something's recurring and, and you have a, a negligence uh, and the thought enters your mind, but I'm chanting my rounds. I don't need to really be that concerned. Uh, then you know you're, 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 you're crossing over into an offense to the holy name. Time to do something about it. Time to correct that activity. Don't let when we catch ourselves in with this. This is why this knowledge is so important. When we catch ourselves, <coughs> and we think of the significance of Vishwanath's merciful shower of knowledge on us, on our devotional creeper, then we can benefit. Without the knowledge, your mind may go into becoming lax and then saying, well, I'm, I'm chanting my rounds, so everything's covered, it's cool, I'm good. No, it's not good. What you're doing is you're allowing a seva operad to become a nama operad that's going to impede your progress. We don't want that. <coughs> There's one line in Anandadas Babaji's uh, purport to this verse that I, I wanted to share with you it rings like it's like a loud bell if one chants such a powerful holy name of Krishna again and again but still does not get praying and tears do not appear in his eyes then clearly he is very offensive we should think like that. Why there are no tears? Why I'm not progressing? Why I'm not getting, becoming steady? I'm offensive. I am involved in, I'm at the stage of Anista Bhajana Kriya and wow. It's like being a cow in a pen. And all the green grass is over there. And all I have here is a muddy stall. It's not very nice. I can see the older devotees. I can see my spiritual master, the sadhus. I can see, wow, they're really enjoying this Krishna consciousness. And I'd rather be sleeping in the morning. They're really relishing, you know, when they come to see the deity, when they discuss, you know, Krishna Katha, when they, you know, um, you know, they're joyfully engaged in this process, and I'm not. Why? I'm very offensive. That's the only reason. There's no other excuse for it in the fact that I'm still a still engaged I'm still I'm an offensive devotee I have to get past this stage of of still carrying my material baggage into my devotional service 
I have to get past this stage of, of, of taking everything cheaply. I have to get past so many things. All I can do is fall at the feet of the sadhus and, 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 and realize there's a lot of work to be done here. Another thing that is important to note, and we're going to get into this really deeply, Vaishnava Parad. This is our main, the main thing, if we can fully understand this. And there are some statements here that are, that are going to be pretty, pretty uh, revealing to us, like who's a sadhu. So we'll touch on that. I don't know how far we'll go this evening. But. Aparad to the Ashraya, devotee is graver than to the Vishaya, the Lord. Aparads that we make to Krishna directly are, are, are less grave than Aparads to his devotees. Why is that? If you remember a certain verse, at one stage, in deep love for his devotee, Krishna blurted out to Uddhava. He said, Uddhava, you are more dear to me than my very self. That's the way Krishna feels about his devotee. More dear to me than, than my very self. That's God consciousness. That's how God's consciousness is. He thinks like that. That's what love is. That's what the Vaikuntha atmosphere is like. And in Vraj, it is exemplified to the nth degree. So to be more, more have consider to consider Krishna's devotees as a, or more dear than Krishna himself to us. Krishna feels they're more dear. We want to become Krishna conscious. So we have to understand to serve the devotees, to respect the devotees, to see them as 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 truly the avenue through which we can attain pure love for Krishna. And do not let it slip your mind that what who are the exemplars of the Madhvagodya Sampradaya? The Manjaris. Who do the Manjaris serve? Radha. Who would they want to serve? Radha. Who do they want to serve the most? Radha. They don't want to serve Krishna. They want to serve Radha. Because they know if there's anybody that's going to please Krishna, it's Radha. So if I please her if I make her the most presentable, the most beautiful. She's the best lover. So the devotee is always thinking like that. I want 
Krishna to be the most happy. Well, it's not going to be with me. I'm never going to be Radha. So my best prospect is to serve those devotees who are the dearest. So, offense to the devotee is graver than an offense to Krishna. Speaking of Radha, uh, just a little, little Sanskrit lesson. Me teaching Sanskrit, now that's a joke. But uh, Rad, R-A-D-H, Rad, um, means satisfaction. So, when we speak of Aparad, we talk about diminishing satisfaction in a way that it dissatisfies Bhagavan, the Holy Name, the Guru, and the Vaishnavas. So, Aparad, to dissatisfy any of those people. Krishna, the Holy Name, the Guru, the Vaishnav, the Vaishnav community, Okay, now some interesting point is made by Vishwanath. He quotes Krishna, and Krishna says, O Uddhava, from the very beginning of this religion, even if it is not yet completed, there is not even the slightest loss. Simply chanting the ten-syllable mantra gives perfection. On the strength of these verses, someone may ask whether non-performance... Okay, that's the end of the quote. Gives perfection, the mantra. On the strength of these verse, verses... This is Vishwanath making a comment here. Someone may ask whether non-performance or improper performance of devotional parts produces nam aparad or not. Again, what I said is he's considering all all aparad offenses to the holy name. So he uses the terminology nam aparad, but we have to understand that includes also aparad to any of the limbs of bhakti. And those are included, it's just understood that they're included. The answer is no. In the verse, one who commits sins on the strength of the holy name, the word papabudi means the intentional, intentional committing of sins. Acts that are condemned by the scriptures and that require atonement are known as sins. In the path of karma, imperfect performance of karma is condemned. But on the devotional path, imperfect performance of any devotional part is neither condemned, nor is there the possibility of any offense. On one hand, we're talking about doing the best that we can do to be Krishna's pure devotee, and avoiding aparads. And here Vishwanath is saying, 
but understand this path is unlimitedly forgiving. If your intent, if your heart's in the right place, Bhakti was gonna Bhakti is gonna support you. So it's not like karma. So it goes we're gonna go over further in the next verse and he's gonna talk about running forward with your eyes closed and missing some parts of bhakti, skipping over them. You're so anxious to be there. And what we find is, let us, let us look at Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu, Smaranam Padasevanam, Archanam Vandanam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atma, Devedanam. So we have this ninefold processes of devotion. But you can do one of them, one or two of them, three or five of them, all of them. Bhakti is so merciful, whatever whatever you can do in the process of devotional service is going to give you the result of that devotional service. Krishna mentions this in Bhagavad Gita. I carry what they lack. I preserve what they have. Whatever you've done is preserved. Permanent bank account. Even if your senses get the better of you and you run away madly back into the world of material existence, wanting to enjoy again. Well, whatever we did in our bhakti, whatever we did, if our heart was there, if we really wanted this, there's an objective that's never going to be lost. So go, suffer like a dog for a few more lifetimes. Do you really want to do that? I don't think so. But sometimes the mind and senses do get the better of us. We notice. We come. We go. Our associates come and go. It breaks our heart when we leave. It breaks our heart when we see them leave. But it does happen. Well, Krishna says, yes, but I don't let there be any loss in that. It's permanent. No loss. What they attained is never diminished. Whatever level of practice is never diminished. Vishwanath goes so far as to say, and Krishna fills in the missing parts. So let's say you're only attracted to one aspect, one limb of the ninefold limbs of bhakti. And it, it, it's the one you like to hear, or you like to chant, or you like to pray. And the other things, you just want, the, that, that captures you. That is sufficient to allow you to advance spiritually, is what Vishwanath is saying here. Quoting Krishna. Well, you can't get a better... Praman than that, Krishna says, from the very beginning of this religion, pure bhakti, 
this religion, Bhagavat Dharma, that Dharma that's centered on me, there is not even the slightest loss. From the very beginning, there's not even the slightest loss. No loss, but there can be a delay. The delay is exactly what we're talking about. Putting obstacles in our own path in the form of four types of operats. Operats from klesha, operats from desires, operats against the holy name, and operats against bhakti herself. This is the next verse from Vishwanath Madhurya Kadamani. I'll read the English. Again, he starts his verse, his explanation, by quoting a verse from the Bhagavatam. Even illiterate persons can easily come to know the supreme absolute truth by adopting the process spoken by the Lord. This process is known as Bhagavat Dharma, or the pure path of devotional service. By accepting this path, a person is never bewildered, even if he closes his eyes and runs. He never stumbles or falls. This is Krishna speaking. I think. I may be wrong. I need to look that up. Anyway. It's, if Krishna's speaking, it's great. If Krishna's devotee, it's greater. So, <laughs> so by accepting this path, a person is never bewildered. Even if he closes his eyes and runs, he never stumbles or falls down. Vishwanath explains it. In this verse, the word nimilana refers to the performance of a specific activity. This nimi lana means that one closes his eyes. Devan means he is moving quickly by placing his feet in an unusual overstepping way. He's overly anxious to get to Krishna. Still he does not stumble or fall. It is understood from this verse that if a person takes shelter of the devotional path, but he knowingly leaps over some secondary devotional parts, though practicing the main devotional parts, such as Ravanam, Kirtanam, Smaranam, and so forth, he never fails to get the fruit of bhakti, nor is he ever faulted. Nimilana cannot be explained as ignorant of Shruti or Smriti, because it cannot contradict the real meaning. Devan and Nimilana cannot mean neglecting the 32 kinds of seva aparad since it is already said by taking the shelter of the process spoken by the Lord. Seva aparads are forbidden by the verse. 
It is offensive to enter the temple of the Lord riding on a vehicle or wearing shoes. The Shastras condemn persons who deliberately commit seva aparads as a two-legged animal who commits offense at Sri Hari's lotus feet. Nam aparads may have been committed unconsciously long ago or recently, but they are inferred by their effects. By constant chanting of the holy name, Nista appears in devotion, and gradually those aparads are nullified. If one commits aparads consciously, then he has to adopt specific means for their nullification. Wordy verse, wordy explanation here by Vishwanath. But the point is that in bhakti, all the details that would be there in any other any other type of attainment, whether it be jnana or karma or, or, or the cities of yoga. Uh, bhakti is, is, is the most generous path. And if in our enthusiasm to attain Krishna, we don't attend to every specific aspect still it's carried it's like a carryover from the last verse and it's uh, it's meaning that the strength of bhakti and the understanding of bhakti is easily available to everyone irrespective of their qualification irrespective of their of even the manner in which they practice, purely or impurely. And again, we come to the fact that what really is that ingredient which pulls us along and allows us to actually become Krishna's pure devotee. What is that? Is it an endeavor on my own? What am I endeavoring for? I'm endeavoring to purify myself for what? So that my heart can accept grace. The endeavor itself, the practice, all the different limbs of bhakti, all the different things that we do are for what purpose? So that we can become soft-hearted enough that what the sadhus, what the spiritual master is trying to give us, that benediction that we're willing to accept it. That's really the practice. It's not like we, through an effort of our own, are going to follow, quote, quote, all the formulas that are there to do bhakti and we'll come out successful. Bhakti does not deal on that material plane. It's not 
that way. Everything that is to be successful about the practice of bhakti is coming through the grace of someone above. The guru, the sadhus, Krishna's rigatmikas, they are the ones that are pulling us into bhakti. It's not like we're going to go down the checklist, okay, shravanam, kirtanam, vishnu, smaranam, payam, and then all of a sudden, okay, there's the nine. I've done them all. I've done them for lifetimes. I've done them perfectly. And now, open the door. It's not that doesn't open the door. No, that's, it's, that's not the affair of the heart. The heart works entirely differently. Bhakti works differently. It moves crookedly. It's not a straight line. It's not something that's that's set up according to our materialistic conception. Bhakti is given to us by the mercy of those that have it. Love for Krishna is bestowed upon us by those that are loving Krishna. Appreciation for the characteristics of Krishna and his devotees, so much so that our hairs stand on end, we cry incessantly. That appreciation comes from associating with those who are fully in appreciation. That is the key to our success in devotional life. So the author is bringing this out. You can run. You can skip over things. If your heart wants it that much, that It's not going to be an impediment to your advancement. You can even close your eyes and you won't stumble and fall. If your heart really wants, if we can come to that stage of rag, raganuga bhakti, instead here we are talking about the carrots and the sticks. This 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 explanation was I've read it quite a few times this afternoon. What I can say is the depth of the mercy that's afforded by Krishna and Krishna's devotees to us in our struggling practice is is quite amazing. It's quite quite unbelievable. Because more often than not we get it wrong instead of right. So next class we're going to deal with that one area where we have to get it super right. And that is keeping the proper consciousness when it comes to dealing with Krishna's loved ones. And understanding when Krishna falls in love with them. I'll stop there for the night. I'll ask if there's any questions. Yes? I'm a little confused about... um talking about that so many of the apparatus are not considered especially pertaining to controlling the mind and the senses that they're not considered so important um, not as important as Mm non-apparatus but if those offenses are like include disobeying like you mentioned the marijuana and the story of Sridhar Maharaj Mm -hmm. but that 
you know, that's like disobeying the orders of your spiritual master. He's so, and he's. I believe that that's my personal my personal take on that is that uh, we judge how seriously the spiritual master's instructions are by how he deals with his disciples. I truly believe there's a great misunderstanding when we look to quote, quote, initiation vows. If we don't know and fully comprehend what initiation is, then... Yes, there can be that confusion between what would be a, a, an operad and simply an anartha. What I mean by that is this. To think that when Prabhupada requested one to follow four regulative principles at the time of initiation, that he wasn't fully aware of the stages in devotional service as Rupa Goswami lays them out in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, is to misrepresent Srila Prabhupada. He's fully aware of the fact that first comes Shraddha, then comes Sadhu Sangha, which includes initiation, then comes Bhajana Kriya in two stages, Anartha Nivriti, then Nishta. So there is the stage of unsteady devotional practice. So many devotees would say, well, you took initiation and if you broke that vow, then your initiation's null and void. Well, that's to diminish the mercy of, of, of the sadhu by thinking that he didn't understand that the majority of his disciples would actually break those vows. But that was the standard that he wanted them to come to. But it's initiation. It's the beginning. You don't come to the platform of Nista when you take initiation. Nista comes after you go through Anarthanivriti. The stage of Anarthanivriti is the stage when all those unwanted habits are cleared. Anartha Nivriti comes after initiation. So those people that are saying all that you have you've you are disobeying the order of the spiritual master, well, let's let's truly understand what is that order and how to look at it in a proper spiritual perspective so it enthuses rather than dampens the spirit of the disciple in a way that it opens the doors for people to enter into spiritual life, not that you put up a wall around the pro spiritual prospect of a newcomer, of a new sadhika. You have to understand exactly. And then what do we have as evidence to support what I just said? How did Prabhupada deal with devotees that quote, quote, blooped, fell down, couldn't do this or couldn't do that? Did he kick them to the ground? Never once did he do that. Ever. In any circumstance. So that's the evidence for my argument. 
say to be a little heavy there, but I get upset about no, that. No, no. <laughs> I wasn't directing that at you. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. Thank you very much. Anything else? There, but for His grace, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. All glories to Prabhupada. Thank you.